Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. <laughs> a Buffyverse podcast? Sure. I like it. Okay. Okay. I mean, we're still a Buffy podcast, so it's not wrong. Yeah. I'm just proud that I remembered to even say Angel, like, before we were done with that sentence. My favorite... Not that this is something we can't <laughs> fix immediately. Yeah. But. My favorite thing is always the little, tiny little pause that you have right before you say a Buffy podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't come off my tongue naturally still. But yeah, so I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. I forgot about that part because I was so excited I remembered to say Angel. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week we're talking about episodes four. So for Buffy, it's season four, episode four, Fear Itself. And for Angel, it's season one, episode four called I Fall to Pieces. Yes. It took me still an um, incredibly long time during that episode to figure out, like, oh, which episode is this? I don't know why this one was, like, so forgettable to me. I don't know. See, that's weird at first. That's kind of where I, what I thought. But then as soon as I, she was like, how's he looking at me? I was like, oh, this is the one where that guy, like, falls apart, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's where I remember, too. But I just, like, looking at the photos from it and, like, watching the intro, I was just like, okay, I don't know. Could have been anything. Yeah. <sighs> Honestly, yeah. these first four episodes of Angel have been fairly forgettable. Yeah. And I think usually I don't notice because I'm, like, binging, so... Right. But, like, this measured pace that we've made ourselves go at is... Um, yeah, it's not doing out the it flaws. any favors. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's definitely weird to watch it this way. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like you have a tasty treat. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just... I hear a little clinging. Well, I'm drinking it out of, like, a half-pint beer glass. Um, so, my... Sp- I thought you said you were eating a sorbet. I am. <laughs> I also out told you it was boozy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, I made a sorbet out of um, beer and grapefruit juice. Oh, okay. And it's really tasty, but I um, took photos of it for my blog um, in little half pint beer glasses. And so I just mm. stuck it back in the freezer in that. So that's what that little clinking noise is. <laughs> got it. Okay. <laughs> I just got home from work and I was like really sweaty and like kind of like gross cause it's pouring rain outside. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a treat before dinner. Yeah. So. I'm sorry. I'm making you record before you get to eat. Well, if anything, I make well, you record. Four yeah. Days you're making early, me record. So <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're only taping this a few days after we did the last episode, recorded the last episode. So I, you won't I feel know like that. I don't. <laughs> well, I just don't really have anything to ask you because we just talked. Yeah. Nothing, nothing much changed in the last two days. <laughs> the only thing for me is that now, like, I'm heading out of the country in, like, three days. So yeah. I'm in full-on, like, panic. Like, how am I going to pack mode? Yeah. So, um, but I am starting to get a little excited for my trip, you know, Pouring rain will get you really excited for summer weather, so mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting. Um, no, and then, but I'm going to, like, first summertime in Sydney and then winter in Japan, and I, like, have no idea how to handle this packing yeah. crisis. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how it turns out. Yeah, I think the answer is going to be I'm just going to bring, like, almost no clothes and, like, just rewear everything because yeah. there's... I can't think of a better way to do it. And I mean, whatever, usually I'm staying in like an Airbnb and I can do laundry, but I'm not doing Mm -hmm. that this time. So Mm. I'm like, I hope my hotel has really good laundry service. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they do. Oh, become like Um, a real jet setter. Yeah, for sure. 
That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm very excited. Mostly for the five days of vacation at the end of the trip. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already ready for more vacation. I've been working for like five days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's too soon. You're supposed to want to like, you know... You're supposed to be, like, reinvigorated and, like, ready to buckle down, not, like, (laughs) hating your life already. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But it is a lot of work. I think it'll slow down in another week, and then maybe I'll feel a little different. (sighs) It's weird to start a job, though, when it's like, oh, and also it's really busy. Like, that's just never happened to me before. Every time I've started a job, it's been like, we don't have anything for you to do yet because you don't know how to do anything, and this is, like... Oh, do everything. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, a, um, someone start new on our team today, and, like, I was helping to train her, but I was so jealous because, like, I remember what it was like when you could show up at a team meeting and be like, all I did today was train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so luxurious. <laughs> I'm sure she totally. would disagree because she's definitely, like, being inundated with, like, way too much knowledge too fast, but. Yeah. I'm sure you hmm. can relate, so. Yeah. I was picking pictures for our Instagram and I found this one. I'm sure everyone's seen it. Um, <laughs> uh, probably everyone has because everyone who listens to this is a close personal friend and they also follow our Instagram, uh, which is very gracious. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just found that <laughs> I was looking at it last night. I found this picture of Buffy sitting in the classroom when she gets called out by that jerk professor. And I was like, oh, this face that she's making is way too relatable right now. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to post a whole story about that, but I kept it on theme. Oh, you totally could have gone off theme. Well, only because we had to talk about Angel 2, and I thought it was important that they both be in the main image. (laughs) If everyone wants to know my social media strategy. Also, if anyone has any tips, please email them (laughs) to me. I don't know. Considering Uh, um, the first few episodes of Angel are, like, far inferior to those Buffy episodes, it's it's cool if you just don't call them out. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Well, let's talk about Buffy. Yeah, fear itself. Um, one of my favorites, I think, from the college era. Yeah, I I think this is a pretty good one. It's classic, and it has a lot of memorable scenes and references, I think. Not references, but, um, moments. Yeah. Plus, I mean, like, it's one of the two, possibly three Halloween episodes of the entire show, so, um, it's kind of nice. there was, yeah. I think there's, Mm. like, one more. But there's one more for sure, but yeah. I don't remember if we've already seen one or two. I think there've been two. Well, we we saw um, Halloween, which is the one where they turn into their costumes. Right, but there's one more. Yeah. Okay. I think so it's like four season six, ish. maybe. No, no, no. I'm saying I thought there was one more. There's not a Halloween episode in season three. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we get this one is the next one after that one, after the first one, because they're referencing turning back into their costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, if there was one in season three, man, I slept through that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm looking it up. Well, while you do that, huh. do you want me to do a recap? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I guess it is just those three. Yeah. Also, I found the answer already. Okay. <laughs> so it's Halloween <laughs> in Sunnydale, which, of course, we all know means uh, night off for Buffy. But unfortunately, Buffy is still wallowing after the whole Parker fiasco. Um, so Willow and Xander convince her to go to this frat party Halloween extravaganza where they turn their house into a haunted house. And mm-hmm. there's all these levels of, um, you know, terror, I guess, or fake terror that you have to go through to get to the party in the attic 
Mm -hmm. supposedly it's really cool, but they get Oz to come help them with their sound system, and um, they see that they've painted this, like, mystical symbol on the floor, and Oz accidentally um, cuts himself and splashes some blood on it, activating the symbol. And so by the time everyone convenes for the Halloween party, there's a full-blown terror situation happening upstairs where turns out they've called up some sort of demon that that much they seem to be aware of that has kind of turned all of these fake props in the house into real things like peeled grapes turn into eyeballs and Mm -hmm. um, skeleton figures turn into actual murderous skeletons and um, people fall down the stairs and break their neck and it's all very um, scary and the house kind of works to split the group up and then bring them back together but while they're all split up they're individually confronting all of their fears that have kind of been previously mentioned in this episode so no one can hear Xander because Xander is afraid of being outside of the group Mm -hmm. now that he's not doing the whole college thing with them Buffy's worried that people always leave her Willow's worried that she can't control her magic and Oz's fear is turning into a into a werewolf and Mm -hmm. so they eventually get lured up into the attic where um they also run into Giles and Anya who have been working to get into the house because Anya shows up at the party right when the house kind of seals itself off from the inside and so Mm -hmm. she knows Xander's in trouble so she goes and gets Giles who um, breaks into the house with a chainsaw (laughs) and they figure out that they're calling the demon Gaknar this fear demon Um, Mm -hmm. and Buffy breaks the seal after being told not to and raises the demon who is about the size of my microphone (laughs) 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 so Buffy just stomps on him and kills him and that's the end of that yeah yeah pretty pretty straightforward it's definitely i would say this is one of the first like metaphorical ones that we've seen so far in this college experience where um you know it's a very real manifestation of these fears that they're they seem to be facing yeah in their new i mean they're not all fears Although about it's like, like not being even really college. a metaphor though <laughs> it's yeah. like it just happens well i guess the fears that they encounter like sure Willow's, okay like nothing that's happening is really real but like i guess yeah, I guess metaphor is maybe stretching it a little far. But but I know what you mean. This was the first one that felt, I think, felt a little bit more on the track for me, even if I ultimately, again, I don't think it really, it's not quite, like, the best, ep- it's not, hmm. I feel like I want to say it's not technically the best episode, but it was, like, really fun to watch, and there was, like, an interesting monster that wove into the story, kind of. Plus he's really I guess cute. I'm just saying it feels <laughs> it's starting to feel more like itself in this episode, I think. The show is. Yes, that's true. Like it's kind of like getting through the like the kinks of like, you know, yeah. introducing new characters and a new world and kind of coming back to like this formula, if you will, of like monster of yeah. the week and Yeah. 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 Again, not I think it's not a perfect it's not perfect if we're gonna like tear it apart, which is what we do here sometimes, but I feel like well, I mean, that's not even true. There were a lot of moments that I really liked. And I also feel like what I'm really interested to talk about is, you know, the fear, the particular fears that everybody has. I think that they're fairly consistent for the rest of the series. Like, I think these are these are things that are going to come up again and again. And whether or not I, I mean, I'm curious that they, if they drew from this episode in order to write future things or if this really is just like, I think, a pretty good understanding of where most of the characters are at to like that that the things that they made up for this episode to just kind of maybe fill the monster of the week need end up becoming bigger themes down the line. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, like we do see Xander always kind of struggling to figure out his place and 
Willow definitely dabbling in magic in ways that f- that her friends are afraid about and that she yeah. always kind of oh, has this overconfidence in her abilities. Yeah. And we see, um, you know, Buffy grappling with loss and kind of Being, the emotional and like how, fallout of that. And, yeah, um, I mean, I guess... Sorry. And I think for... Well, I think the most pressing one that I thought was actually done really elegantly was Oz, where... Yeah. Um, you know, we've been seeing these little hints... If, you, if you've watched the series before, I think it's easier to pick up on them. But we've been seeing these little hints of, like, you know, Oz relating to his werewolf self. And, like, when he's talking to Willow about being afraid for her use of magic, he's talking about mm-hmm. how the... When he transforms to a werewolf, like, it definitely scares him. Like, there's a darkness there that he doesn't like. But he also, when, he's, when he transforms in this haunted house, we see him, like... Um, first convincing himself like it's not real it's not real but also in the moment he's turning he's very he's like there's no moon tonight and mm-hmm. later we're gonna see him talk about how he realizes the wolf is in him all the time and it doesn't just have right. to mean that be that there's a full moon tonight and I thought that right. was a really nice kind of through line to where yeah we're definitely gonna where see he's gonna go. Oz's fears yeah. manifest in a bigger way and more sure um like sooner than we would think maybe yeah um I think the one that is sticking out. Well, I mean, I think the Willow Willow's fears and her whole storyline is just very like all of that is just always going to be in the series forever mm-hmm. now. You know, like like you kind of said, not just her fears about losing control, but everybody else's fears about her losing control and about her being overconfident. And I think that it is really telling that in that scene that like you know, clearly this thing happens because she is afraid of losing control, but that fear doesn't inhibit her from just doing it, you know, and just going forward with it, which is, is going to be a flaw of hers Absolutely. forever again. And or also not it's forever, a nice call back to when she's first talking to Buffy about trying to float a pencil and she's talking about, mm-hmm. it's about focus and concentration. Yeah. And yeah. you see in the scene where Willow's trying to conjure this little guide, like she's not focused. She's not, she doesn't have mm-hmm. a clear intent. She doesn't know what she wants. And like, you're seeing that like when she's, acts that way like magic will turn on her i mean obviously this is a situation that is conjured by this demon but like we have no reason to think that this isn't a real magical situation that's true yeah um i want to talk about will a little bit more but just kind of still going on the theme of like everybody's fears i think what's really interesting is buffy's because at first i was like i don't like because they clearly write in that scene with joyce to sort of like hit over the head that like oh her dad left her too and parker left her and angel left her and like oh she just you know feels bad about men leaving her or anybody leaving her but when i thought about it more what i liked about it is that you know season five again is not and i don't this isn't really a spoiler but like buffy's going to continue to grapple with the ways in which being a slayer distances her from everybody else in her life and how she always has to fight to kind of keep that grasp on her friends and family and like love and all those kinds of things. So in, I think, I think if I looked at it too straight on of like, Oh, men leave her. And now she's afraid of being left. I think that that's kind of a, a poor story to tell for Buffy, even if it is true for her. But I think that when I'm looking at it kind of more bigger picture of like, Oh, she is afraid of being distant from people and about the ways in which being different makes people leave her. (laughs) I, I guess I wish they had just tied that part in a little better, but yeah. Yeah, the manifestation of her fear was really, like, weakly done, I thought. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Buffy's afraid of people leaving her, so she has to fight zombies? Like, that yeah, didn't... Yeah, yeah. I didn't <laughs> really get really anything poignant out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, but yeah, but I do think that it, it'll it's interesting looking at it from further down the series. Um, the other thing that I think is kind of funny is that ultimately you know, Willow and Oz have the same fear 
in a, in some ways, which is losing control. Mm-hmm. And um, Buffy and Xander also have the same fear, which is being left. Yeah. You know, Xander's afraid of being left out, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I would so say I think that's, that that's also kind of yeah. Which is I'm, why which it's I, so annoying that Xander gets this great like metaphorical right. situation of like where <laughs> yeah. no one can hear him yeah. and like he literally disappears from the group, whereas like Buffy just falls into a basement. Like, right. It's really yeah, annoying. Yeah, you're right. That that really. You know, I wasn't even thinking about that because I was so focused on the, um, some other things that she was saying. But yeah, that doesn't even really make sense as a no metaphor. Also, I speaking of like what's triggering her fear in this situation. Like I, I get it. What Buffy's sad about Parker, and like we're supposed to maybe being understand this playing into this larger thing about people leaving her. But like, she is so like. Okay, she's allowed to wallow, but she's just acting really pathetic in a way that we yeah. never saw her do, even after she, like, killed Angel. Like, yes, she ran away yeah. to L.A. for a few months, but, like, she was, like, I mean, maybe this is what she was like after she killed Angel. I don't know. But, like, we never really see her, like, oh, mm. life is just mushy seeds or, you know, whatever. Like, it's just, I just feel like I don't know, though, because she gets weird. like that again later after another breakup. Maybe. I think that is kind of her style. Yeah. I know that it, it is annoying, but I think that that, like, I don't know, teenagers are annoying. <laughs> Maybe. Only, yeah, I mean, I think it's just more obvious um, as an adult, the, yeah. the ways in which she's being silly. Um, um, so also, yeah. like, going back to Willow's whole thing, and everyone's telling her to be careful with magic, and mm-hmm. Oz and Xander just ignore the fact that these frat guys painted an obviously mystical symbol on the floor, like, it's no big deal. Like, maybe they thought they made it <laughs> up, true. but, like, you can't be, like, telling one friend to be super careful with magic and then just ignore this, like, magic symbol on the floor. Yeah, that's a good point. Haven't they learned anything about magic symbols with the whole gingerbread episode and, like, right. just... Yeah. I mean, that's I get point. it has to kind of, like, trigger the Something whole thing. Something has to kick it off. Yeah. But also, so do you think that it had to be just regular blood or do you think it was because it was Oz's, like, kind of supernatural oh. of blood that triggered it? I think it had to be any blood, but now that you're saying both of these things, I think it would have been, I I get why it was Oz in that scene, but it would have made more sense for it to be, if not just Xander, than anybody else. You know, Xander is, I think I would, I would expect him to be not paying attention to what's going on, but Oz does seem, especially because of his fears, he seems a little bit more in tune with all that stuff. Um, So that is kind of funny. (laughs) And then now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh, it does kind of make bring up, bring up a bigger question. I, I always assumed it was just anybody's blood, though. Yeah. Um, um, I th- the other thing that I like about the Oz, well, about the Willow storyline, I mean, and this is, again, this is fairly obvious, but that he's not the only romantic partner of Willow's who's going to express these concerns to her. So, I, again, I just feel like it is, it, it's really feeling organic that this happens to her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All that stuff just played very true to me. No, I think... I mean, I think there's a good, like, groundwork laid in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a pretty, like, fluffy episode about, like, going to a, you know, scary Halloween party. But I think, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of breadcrumbs here for later. Um, yeah. But uh, speaking of things like continuity issues, though, I, I've mm-hmm. been wondering this for the last few episodes, and I forgot to bring it up. But, look, at the end of season three... This giant snake thing attacks the high school graduation. They mm-hmm. blow up the high school. Like, there's this whole thing. 
did no one at the college ever realize that this happened? Like, no one ever seems to bring it up. Like, oh, yeah. like, yeah. you're a townie, so, like, were you at that high school graduation yeah. thing with the big snake? Like, the only people who mention it are, like, Willow when she sees Harmony. Like, it's... Right. I have just been thinking that, like, does did no one know that that happened? You mean, I mean, that's a good question. I think that that can sort of fall into the, like, people ignoring things that they don't want to know about. Like, phenomenon. maybe they said there was, like, a gas leak at the high school or something. Right, like, that caused an explosion. It still seems like it would be worth asking about, but... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think my big continuity issue is with Anya, which is just, like... In the season three episodes that she's in, I think there's an, just enough there for me to accept it, but these episodes, like, where does she live and where is she getting money? <laughs> Even with Giles, it's a little bit like, I don't know what savings he's living off of. I assume he is a careful person with his money, so he's living off of his savings, but, like, with Anya, you know, I, where is she? Where is she the rest of the time? <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm assuming her human persona came with some sort of ability to like fund a lifestyle and maybe she's just living off of that stuff but like I guess that's what I assume in season three like when she's only hanging around for a few weeks I can imagine and you know when she still has her powers you know she can apparate do we call it apparate if it's not Harry Potter I think so uh (laughs) you know she can now I can't remember which words are from Harry Potter and which ones were always words uh but you know, she can transport herself magically place to place. So it wouldn't be that weird for her to just like show up at the high school during the day and then at night go back to wherever she was living her regular life. But once she loses her powers, I guess it just doesn't make sense. Also because they go out of their way to show the moment that she does get a job. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So I just think that's a little weird, but it's whatever. It's a really good point that I I just feel like I've never really yeah. thought too much about because I don't, no, I don't I mean, know if we're supposed I, to, but it no, is a little bit of an unanswered question. I feel like just one sentence would have, oh, I got a part-time, you know, uh, let's go out on a date, Xander, after I get off my shift at, Well, you know. maybe there was something about this episode that was, like, bringing up unanswered questions from, like, the, <laughs> that I've had in the past and I've never really thought about. Because, like, so we also get a Riley sighting in this episode. Like, he kind of gives uh-huh. Buffy, like, a little pep talk. And I don't think it's a coincidence because we also then get, like, a commando sighting. And I'm pretty right. sure that one commando was definitely supposed to be Riley because, like, he oh. kind of sees Buffy and pulls up short a little bit. Oh, I didn't um, think about that. Or maybe I was just, ex- like, expecting it to be. But here's the other thing. It's, like, eventually, okay, like, we know Buffy and Riley, like, you know, Buffy's dating Riley. And, like, he's essentially, like, the thing I thought about it was in this episode, he's her TA, right? Like, so yeah. why is she allowed to date him? That is not supposed to be okay. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and, like, his professor boss knows about it and is totally okay with it. Yeah. I just, like, there were so many questions like this that kept popping in my head in this episode. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, I, I mean, again, I think so. at least some of the, like, the Anya thing, I think, I, you know, I not even that I have to. I do. I accept that that's just they have to make an awkward transition in the writing and new characters and there's just not time to explain all of it. So like, I don't really care. I think it's funny to point it out, but like, it doesn't, it does not like inhibit my enjoyment of this episode, but I, yeah, it is. There are continue to be a lot of kind of holes in these early points until we get to another place where we're a little more settled in this like post high school universe. Yeah. Um, not that Riley necessarily fits into that, but like, yeah, it does just feel like there's a lot of, there are just a lot of kind of questions floating around. 
Um, on the other uh, hand, though, we get the start of or the continuation of some really cool things like Giles with extreme weapons. Like, I love Giles with the chainsaw. It's very yeah. much like Giles with a flaming baseball bat. And then like, and it was very funny. Yes, <laughs> and we get the um, like the introduction of the running gag of bunnies frightening Anya. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot about this that I was like, yay, I'm so happy that this stuff has begun. It's great. But, like, there was something about this particular viewing where I just was like, I have so many questions. Yeah. I guess the other thing that I wanted to talk about with Willow and her use of magic, because I feel like, you know, everything that we said before, you know, so far has been really like, oh, yeah, this all fits and it makes a lot of sense. My my outstanding question, though, that I have about Willow is, like, the other thing that's a little bit weird is that I feel like in the first three episodes, they didn't really touch on her magic use at all. So it is a little bit bizarre to go kind of zero to 100 of, like, oh, yeah, you know how she's a witch all the time, which, like, I do know that, but I feel like they didn't really lay seeds for us. But moreover, it's weird that everybody is acting like she is bad at controlling her magic, though, because up to this point, the only things I've seen her do are have gone through perfectly like she cast a major spell on angel she stakes a vampire with a pencil you know like there was a there was a period in season three where she was revving up and like she didn't have that many powers but we haven't really seen her screw something up you know what i mean so it is a little bit weird to me that everybody's treating it like it's so volatile because for someone as studious as she like i get the whole power element of it you know and like what the things that oz is saying make sense to make sense to me but they don't make sense to me in terms of the other interactions that people have had with Willow and with magic. Well, I think the real issue is like, they're trying to point out to her, like the, the mistakes she has made with, but I think with the idea that like so far she's kind of been dabbling in like the basic easy stuff that like, but she had the spell with angel re giving him a soul was not basic. It wasn't, but I think in that case it was an emergency and they weren't thinking about the long-term effects of her doing that. Like I think now Mm. they're talking about her actually getting into like the real scary stuff and like doing it on the regular basis. Not so much like, because she has to save someone's life, you know? I guess I just feel like part of Oz's concern was that she was going to mess up. And I feel like we've never seen her mess up. So I don't really know why he would have that fear. Yeah. I don't know. I just wish that, again, that, like, if in the last episode she had mentioned, oh, I tried this spell and it went awry, you know? The only time something went awry was with Anya, and that was because she realized that the spell she thought she was casting isn't what she was doing. Um, Anyway, I guess that did... It's not really not continuous. I just do wish that we had talked in the previous three episodes once or twice more about Willow and her use of magic. I think it would have made this a little bit cleaner, but like then, as I said, though, I think that otherwise that stuff all checks out to me and it made sense. Well, I think maybe the idea is like she's been doing more magic and we haven't seen it. Like maybe she's been making these mistakes off screen. But that's what I'm saying. Why doesn't somebody just say it? Like when her and Buffy are, well, maybe she did say it when they were in the graveyard in that first episode. Hmm. But not. Well, I have to go think about it now. Anyway. (laughs) Um, so as much as we, I think, agree that the, the Buffy thing is, it has some weaknesses, even though I like it. Uh, I, I really did enjoy that scene with Joyce. Yes. Something about it just really felt so true to me that like have Joyce kind of just meditating on like where her life has gone and to have her say something kind of positive and sweet about Buffy's dad. And then like particularly the part where Joyce is just like, oh, that candy was always for me. Like that just felt so true and like real world to me that I was just like, ugh, Joyce. I, I just love Joyce. I just think they write her really good dialogue and I think she performs it really well and it just always is fun 
fun for me to be a part of. Her being back in this episode made me realize that she's been missing. Yeah, yeah. Like she was only in the first episode of the season. Mm hmm. So, um, it's kind of nice to see her come back, even if it's just to make Buffy a Halloween costume and yeah. <laughs> talk about, you know, transitions. But I guess that just feels very much like conversations I've had with my mom. Also, not that, well, whatever, not necessarily about Halloween and Halloween candy. Also, my mom always had to sew my costumes at the last second. So that is another familiar scene. <laughs> My mother did not sew my costumes, so that was a very unfamiliar scene for me. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of costumes, I mean, this is a pretty fun batch of costumes for the Scoopies, right? Absolutely. Other How than Giles. much do you want to see Oz turn into God? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, what would that look like? <laughs> I think it would just be Oz. <laughs> yeah. I think that little that was so cute and like Willow's costume is once again you know she has like gone to great lengths to make a really awesome costume that was like personal to her but is also like unconventional and like her close relationship with God is just it's funny every single time I really like that and she's no longer buying into this idea that she has to be really like um like dress really like provocatively on Halloween right right um and I even as much as like you know Buffy is I think Red Riding Hood is like cute and it makes sense that that's like a last minute thing that you could put together but also her putting weapons in her basket was just like well that's fair and I'm I appreciate that she did that well I think that's partly why she went with that costume was because it had a handy weapons yeah. holder <laughs> but I do love it's like uh, what's in the basket little girl weapons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love Anya's bunny costume yeah. just because it's not fun it's not scary and it's yeah, of supposed course. to be yeah but and Xander trying to make up for um dressing up turning into their costumes and dresses right. James Bond, which... He's just always planning for it. Yeah. So, you know he would have turned into a waiter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was also another funny scene that I don't think I had ever heard or noticed, but um, at some point in the episode, before all the hell breaks loose, somebody said, oh, thank the Lord, and Oz said, you're welcome. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever noticed that, but... <laughs> No, they, they were good with the costumes. And I don't know about Giles' little sombrero situation, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm not... He's the only one who gets an F, but whatever. But he gets he gets bonus points for being so enthusiastic about trick-or-treating. True. And he seems to have gotten zero trick-or-treaters. Yeah. <laughs> eh, I can relate to that, too. I like retired um, Giles, I think. <laughs> uh also when Giles uh, chainsawed into the building, I'm pretty sure there was a plaque that said it was a historical building. Oh yeah, definitely did. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Um, But I think my favorite thing about this entire episode is the little gag of Gacknar being actual size of his drawing. And it's like, like this is literally Gacknar. (laughs) Yeah. And they can barely even take him seriously. Which you think as a fear demon would be your downsize if like people laugh at you and you show yourself. That seems a little yeah. bit like counterintuitive, but we yeah we were talking about that when we watched it and Alex was like, oh, what is the like? How did he even like? How does he not just get defeated every time he goes? And so my explanation was something about basically like you know we're gonna see in later seasons that like well we've already seen that there's multiple dimensions. So like I'm assuming that maybe he can get called to other dimensions too where he is more frightening. I also thought that maybe, and the Buffy Wiki said that this is confirmed in the comics, but that like Gacknar is a type of demon, not necessarily the only one. Right. And I also think maybe um, like he gets bigger 
the more fear he can feed on. Oh, maybe. Is my assumption. Like, mm. he really wasn't active for that long, so. Yeah. But. I guess the, other, the, one, the one other thing that is a little bit mm, questionable to me about this is that at the end of the day, I, mm, maybe, no. None of them really conquer their fears, <laughs> right? Like, the spell stops. Like, they, or it's revealed to them that this stuff isn't really happening. But I don't feel like they really get the best of it. No, I don't think so. I think they're... But I don't know if the way the spell works is, like, they're intended to. Like, I don't know if there really is a way to overcome it other than, like, have the, have the spell just stop. Right. But I guess I just mean that's, that's where I think, again, this sort... I, or, I mean, is that part of the metaphor or did we forget that we were sort of doing a metaphor here? You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. I think it's good because, I, I mean, it, certainly you could make a good point out of, like, not being able to cope with fears. I think that that is, you know, worth exploring. But I think it, I was a little bit like, oh, I don't really know what to make of that. So I won't make anything of it. It doesn't matter. But yeah, but no one was like, you know, calling out the fact that we never really overcome some fears or something like it just kind right. Of, you're right yeah. in that it kind of just like didn't get followed up on <laughs> especially for a season that is gonna get really heavy-handed with like those exact kind of call-outs i'm like oh it's a little weird to how much how little we're remarking on this episode actually when we had when we saw the brief scene with riley and um professor walsh i started writing in my notes like ah we're gonna get our first like over the top psychology note you know psychology 101 lecture about fear and then that didn't happen and I was like oh I guess it's not this episode <laughs> I, again I'm like oh, oh why did we like didn't remark on anything in this episode so yeah I mean it's a pretty flimsy episode if you really break it down mm -hmm. like they introduce this idea of these fears but they don't really follow up on them the the demon is not frightening and right. you know <laughs> and not really of consequence and they don't really resolve anything yeah so, I guess you I mean, I think in Oz's case, that's good and kind of intentional, but like, I mean, and we'll see in the next episode, like Buffy's not over Parker, but mm -hmm. it's just a little odd. Yeah. I guess we could say that like the title for this episode is coming from like, there's nothing to fear except fear itself. And th that does true turn out to be true when we see the demon and he turns out he's nothing to be afraid of. But, but maybe yeah. Maybe that's the joke then. Yeah. Like, but maybe just not done as well as it could be. Yeah. But all that being said, I agree with you, though, that, like, ultimately, this one was still really fun to watch. And I think that they were being true to the characters, even if the storyline didn't totally, you know, wasn't completely tied up. So I would always prefer true character moments over, like, a tightly knit story. Absolutely. So I'm still going to say this worked for me and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I um, I was really excited to watch this episode. And then after afterwards, I think I was kind of like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> But I agree. Like, I mean, we, we obviously, it's so rare to have both character and plot be amazing. So I mm -hmm. think I, I would agree with you. I would rather have the focus and the, um, the success be in the character vein rather than mm -hmm. the plot. So hmm. I'll forgive them. Yeah. I mean, part of it too, you kind of have to assume they were like, okay, well, they're at, at school. So we've got to have that like party episode, you know? So. Well, there's another party episode. Yes, there is. <laughs> uh, I'm not looking forward to that one. Uh, well, season I mean, four is so weird. <laughs> I kind of like that one. 
Uh, okay. Maybe I'll feel differently when we talk about it. I'm not sure we're talking about the right, the same thing. I'm talking about the, like, sex house Oh, no, one. I'm talking about... Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about <laughs> the party um, where Willow's really depressed. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I was like, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so should we talk about Angel? Yeah. Okay. So we've got I Fall to Pieces, mm-hmm. uh, quite literally. Yes. Um... I think I can do a pretty quick recap of this one. Although I'm going to skip over some probably important details. Um, but so basically this episode opens up on like Cordelia Doyle discussing how they're going to get Angel to start billing their clients. You know, they've ostensibly started a company, but they have yet to bring in any money. Um, you know, and Angel is uncomfortable with it, but they all know that it if they're going to keep going, then they're going to have to get over that eventually. Um, luckily for them, Doyle gets a vision and scores them a new client. Um, he sees this woman working at a paper company. So soon enough, we're at the paper company and we meet this worker named Melissa who is get, who's gotten like an unwanted flower delivery, you know, and it's clear that she's engaged in some, or she has some like a stalker, you know, um, So Angel really clumsily introduces himself to her and eventually she comes to him for help. Um, And we find out that this guy who's been sending her flowers and stalking her is a a doctor that she had one procedure from. They went out on one date and he's since not left her alone, even though she's made it clear that she's not interested in him. Unfortunately for her, not only is he a stalker, but he's also has supernatural psychic surgery powers. I think something like that. that. Uh, And he can at will remove any of his body parts, but they still function as though they're attached to him. So like he's been spying on her with floating eyeballs. He can grope her with his detached hands, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, But luckily, as I said, since she's employed Angel, Angel gets to the bottom of it. He figures out how he's been more roughly how he's been doing this and what he's been doing and eventually gets the best of him in a in a fist fight. I think he kills him. I'm pretty sure he beheads him. Yeah. I got some questions about that. But anyway, at the end of the day, not all Angel gets this guy out of her life. This woman also, you know, uh, has some like personal triumphs where she talks back to hit that to her stalker, whose name I didn't even bother to write down because he's gross. Um, And then also finally at the end, she comes by the office and pays Angel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, much to the delight of Cordelia and Doyle. Uh, but yeah. So that's, that's this one. His eyes are falling to pieces, are falling off his body and he's falling to pieces. Ha ha ha. The whole he's thing also works. like kind of mentally falling to pieces because True. of the stocking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I did, it, I didn't love this episode, but I did like kind of the depiction of, the story of this woman who, when she's talking about him, like, she didn't want to go on a date with him, but she felt obligated mm-hmm. because, like, obligated to be nice because he, like, mm-hmm. saved her vision and then gently shut him down. But, like, now he's stalking her. And I was like, yeah. this is, like, so, such an easy trap to fall into of, like, yeah. you say yes to something you don't want to do because you feel obligated to do it or you have to be nice or you don't want to mm-hmm. be mean. And, and then you kind of get stuck in a situation that you don't want to be in. Yeah. I think we've all kind of had that happen. Yeah, and for I was sure. Like, wow, this is like Cordelia knows immediately what she means. Like, yeah, um, it's it's funny too how much I feel like these early episodes really are leaning on like abusive types of relationships. You know? Yeah. I 
and as much as I, I feel like all of them are pretty well wrought, but I am feeling a little bit exhausted by it. Maybe that has more to do with 2017 and 2018. You know, like maybe if we had watched this a few years ago, it would have felt just more like ahead of its time to me instead of right now, I'm a little bit feeling exhausted by it. Like I really, I appreciate the stories that they're trying to tell, but I am ready for the show to kind of get to a slightly different place. Well, also I would love it to like for there to be a little diversity and we'll get to that. But like right now, apparently helping the hopeless means helping women like, you know, the only (laughs) hopeless people in this city apparently are women who are being preyed on by men, you know, like, which it's Los Angeles. That's probably true. But yeah, no, but I agree. I think that's what I mean when I say that I'm getting a little bit exhausted with this. Not that I don't, you know, if the mission of the show were to tell stories of abusive relationships that I would, maybe it would feel different but like it does feel a little bit like they think these are the only kinds of stories which is uh, you know as I think we're both women who deal with variations on these themes in our own lives so it's like sometimes it's like okay pick a new story just for like one week guys but do you also think like so the whole through line is that Angel's doing penance for his past life and his past life was being an abusive man and do you think that like maybe they're trying to draw some kind of parallel there I think that yes and I, I mean, I, yes, I agree with you because the other thing is that I, I don't know if you heard me say this, but like, not only are all of his clients women, but they're all blonde women until her, until Melissa, she's the first non-blonde client he's had, had. Oh, that's true. I think, which is, I think also not, I think it's not a coincidence in that he is also feels particular guilt and, and also just baggage about Buffy. Um, I agree. I agree with you. I guess I'm just saying that from a, as a viewer, it is it's starting to wear on well, me. And Even if it's like, Do you like, also find it jarring that we're presenting this idea of this hero saving these women from these men who are oppressing them? And in the same yeah. beat, we have Doyle making disgusting comments to Cordelia. Yes, yes. Like, that is driving me nuts. It is. I can't wait for him to be gone. I don't know. I was so You can't say you're trying to, like, you have this, like, feminist outlook of, like, trying to help all these women, but, like, one of your characters is just disgusting towards your female, your one female cast member the yeah, entire time. Yeah, and he, uh, relentlessly, like, he's never not being that way to her. Yeah, and I think yeah. they kind of treat it as, like, she kind of is just, like, indulging it, but because, like, what else are you supposed but to like, do? But, like... She's indulging... You You just made the same point that, like, we just told this story about this Melissa woman who's only gone on a date with this guy to appease him. Like, Cordelia is clearly yeah. doing the same thing of, like, well, I have to work with this guy because he's the one with the psychic connection to the gods, but, like, I guess I'll just... If I laugh at these jokes, then maybe it won't go any further. Like, she's so not interested. Ugh, you're right. Yeah, I really... Doyle is... Even worse than Xander, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> because he doesn't really have any... Nothing about him is like... Yeah. Like, I don't know what his redeeming quality is. Not that being a teenage boy was a redeeming quality for Xander, but it was at least an excuse, you know? Yeah. No, I think the redeeming quality for Doyle is that he gets visions, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, But, but that's, that's not, not even him. Trait, like, that's not in his trait. own power, and he would exactly. probably gladly but, not get the visions. Like, he's not he's doing this several out times. of some higher calling you know yeah exactly i don't know it's just You're it's right. getting uh, really you just got me all riled up <laughs> <laughs> um uh. but speaking of cordelia i noticed in this episode i think it's a really nice subtle touch is like her wardrobe is really reflecting the fact that she's like more down to earth and like doesn't really have any money and like you know she wears mm. like very simple like kind of tank top skirt combos and stuff like mm. it kind of like you know from from a character that we were used to being like really high fashion all the time yeah and, like I it took me until this episode to really notice it because I was like huh Cordelia's 
outfit, like her styles kind of changed. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Do you think part of it though is just the LA aesthetic? It could be. I mean, I'm sure there's like you know probably an element of like new show, new um, mm-hmm. wardrobe style. But I, I like to think that they're also trying to make her look like she's dressing like from maybe thrift shop finds or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think you're right. And unclear on why they went into business together without any sort of business plan. I don't think they really thought it through. Yeah, I mean, clearly. Yeah, I think Cordelia was like... the insistence of Cordelia. Yeah, I think she was like, oh, I can find a way to maybe make some cash and not have to deal with the casting couch all the time. And then it turns out that really they just didn't count on Angel being uncomfortable charging people. Yeah. I mean, but it is a weird thing to charge for. Even though Doyle did make a pretty decent case for it, um... It isn't, it isn't. It's like, if you think of them as like private investigators or private security, people charge for that all the time. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's, you know what it is, is it's just that Angel is so bad at approaching clients. Yeah. And they haven't had any organic clients yet, it seems like, for the most part. I feel like like that part, they kind of don't continue, which is good. Like, yeah, it just kind of becomes a little more seamless, I think. Mm hmm. Um, Especially as I think they, they tangle more with like Wolfram Hart and everything. Yeah. Like it it becomes a little bit more organic the way they're getting clients. I think right now, even from a writing perspective, it's probably kind of hard to figure out how to get these people to cross paths with Angel. Yeah. That would be my assumption. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's got to get better. It can only get better. <laughs> um, I Yeah, not... Not to just go around and ask questions for, about this whole episode, but, like, it is also bizarre that, like, okay, so Melissa's hired this firm to, like, be her private security, but then Doyle just goes to work with her one day. Like, how does she explain him to anyone? He was literally just sitting at her desk, and she doesn't even have a cubicle, let alone an office. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't, you know? I mean, people come to the office all the time, and people don't really blink, so I guess. Really? I would notice if somebody sat the whole day with somebody. Oh, people notice, but I don't think it, like, I don't know. I don't know. She's just being really weirdly open with him about everything in the office setting, and I found that to be a little bit unrealistic, where I was just like, okay. I mean, (sighs) I don't think I really have much more to say about this one, just because it's like, it's continuing this, like, I feel like a lot of these Angel episodes are really timely right now, but yeah. it also, like, they seem so slight. Like, I don't know, like, I'm ready for this, I think I said this before, I'm ready for this show to kind of kick into gear. Me know? too. Like, yeah. I feel like we're just kind of, like, marking time until the story's allowed to get going. <laughs> I like, feel like that too. I'm just waiting for Doyle to be gone. I mean, when does that, that happen? Uh, we've got about five more episodes, uh, I think. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> in um, a month, Ginny, in a month. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the other thing that is, I think, I can't decide if this is a flaw or if this is intentional. I think it could be intentional, but, um, you know, so we see this, this, this scene where Angel is incredibly awkwardly approaching a woman in a garage, which should be obvious to him that that's not something you should do to a woman who is specifically scared of an abusive man. Like, don't go up to people in parking garages. That's always a bad look. Um, but what's weird to me is that when he flips the switch and he's on the case and he's talking to the doctor, he can lie off the top of his head with no problem. You know, he doesn't have a hard time digging into that side of himself when he's on the job. So I guess I'm a little bit confused as to why he can't turn that on when he's speaking to these clients, potential clients. 
you know, he, he Angel is a good liar. He's been a good liar since the last season, if if not before. Yeah, this new awkward angel, I'm not sure I really like it seems it seems very contrived. Yeah, um, I agree I guess with you that this show loves parking garages. Um, I kind of made a note of that, but I also think like <laughs> combining that with like awkward angel is like, I mean, even when he came it's up just, to Buffy, like it wasn't awkward, right? Like he was like, I'm yeah, gonna help he wasn't you, but bumbling. he was just really like kind of like mysterious and cool, and like he wasn't like um so um. Like, um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think I know something. Do you, do you, are you in danger? Like he didn't do that, you know? Yeah. Well, and again, though, that it's just like your whole business is protecting people that need help and you're doing it by scarily approaching them in parking garages. Like that's just very tactless. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like you'd need a lot of foresight to be like, Hey, you know where I'll meet her is somewhere else. <laughs> it's not there. Yeah. Like, I get that he needs to stay in the dark, but it just feels a little bit like he's being stupid. So I have a note here that I'm so uh, sorry. I know you said you were done talking about this episode, but I still have a bunch of questions. Well, you can still you can still be talking about (laughs) it. So like the way that they sort of explain that this doctor has come to this felt a little bit like he's got these quote unquote powers, but the description and kind of the path that Angel follows when he's like doing his journalistic you know, he's like following the lead or whatever. And he's talking to these other doctors that he knows and whatever. It sort of seems like they're suggesting that he doesn't have magic, that it was more of, I guess at a certain point being psychic is magic. But like when they talk to that other guy, the other doctor who knows him, who has like been practicing, like, I don't know, meditation and like, I don't know what the, I don't know the right words to use, but it just, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is that like, there's a part of me that a little bit thinks they were trying to say that like, he doesn't have magical powers. He just figured out how to do a thing that no one else knows how to do. Yeah. I, I do so, like, feel why like they... go to another doctor and why not give him a, a more obviously magical. I mean, I think we're supposed to think that it's supernatural because otherwise, why would the powers that be get them involved? But well, I that think, was my question. Yeah. No, 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 I know. But I think like the idea is like perhaps he tapped into something that he wasn't supposed to be able to tap into. I mm-hmm. mean, because like the, the guy, like this guru who was like teaching this, like didn't really yeah. believe that it was true. Yeah. But that's why it's weird to me. This is like, oh, but he was the guru didn't believe it, but he was giving every like. God, why am I having such a hard time saying this? I don't know. Anyway, I guess well, I just was, thought it was kind of weird. He was selling it, was like, it to people because he wanted right, to make money. Like, why, yeah. why as an episode go out of your way to establish that this guy went through regular scientific paths? You know, maybe not, maybe outliers in the scientific community, but like they seem to be giving it a real world explanation of like, oh, it's that thing where you only use the 90% of your brain that people aren't using, which is like not a thing. But you know what I mean? Like in terms of the story that they're telling, that just makes you it very smart, not feels- makes you... Like a leftover from Buffy where this is the kind of thing where they could say, oh, it worked because of the Hellmouth kind of thing. Where, but right. Like, they but like they're not on the Hellmouth. They can't transplant the Hellmouth to L.A. So. Yeah. Well, at least we got a satisfying scene where that doctor tried to poison Angel and it didn't work really. I mean, it did work. It shouldn't have worked at all. But That's what I thought. I thought <laughs> he was Angel's like, heart isn't hear- even beating. How exactly. is doing anything to him? Yeah, he was like, you'll hear your heartbeat slowing. I was like, Angel doesn't have a heartbeat. <laughs> his veins aren't even, like, I mean, this kind of makes you wonder how Faith could even poison him because, like, the blood in his veins isn't even supposed to be moving. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Their hearts don't beat, right? No. Well, then how do they ever... So. How do people feed off of them? Hmm, okay. 
Look, I don't know. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> we have the theme this week is we are uncovering all of our questions. <laughs> this show makes sense. Wait a minute. Are they using magic in this show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but that was the big flaw for me was like that poison shouldn't have even worked on Angel remotely to the point where I just assumed he was faking. Me too. I kept thinking like, oh yeah, he's going to get right back up and then he didn't get up again for half an hour. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will say the end of the final fight sequence was pretty gross and yeah, terrifying enough. I mean, when he like projected projectile vomited his teeth at angel yeah. that was yeah. like that was yeah. good <laughs> i like that yeah. but yeah I'll, i mean on the whole i guess yeah these scene these episodes just aren't quite coming together i'm not clear what the story is i also am already sick of kate <laughs> yeah like she's another side character that doesn't really work for me and i think they you know as much as like they're I wonder if this was because the show hadn't decided if she was going to be a romantic interest for him or not, but like, she's really hitting on him in my opinion. Like she is clearly interested in dating angel and she keeps saying it, but like, because I know that it doesn't, I don't know. It just is weird to me. I'm just not clear on like, what is their relationship? What does she want? Why doesn't he just tell her he's not interested? Like all of it is just like awkward. It just makes me cringe. Yeah. I think it's just they're trying a lot of things that are eventually not going to work. And and I think hopefully, if I remember correctly, by the end of the first season, most of that is kind of taken care of. I think so, yeah. But I'm not, I don't remember how long Kate sticks around. I thought she was maybe in season two also. I thought she was too. But I I guess I have to give them 13 episodes since I gave Buffy 13 episodes to get (laughs) it together, so. It will get better after 13 episodes. (laughs) It better. I mean, it was right. Make myself a little Doyle countdown calendar. <laughs> Tear little rings off. I think you only time. have to make it to nine for that. Okay, good. Yeah. What are we on? Four? Ugh. Four. Yeah, we're about halfway it there. It feels far away. Yeah. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway. What are we watching next time? Um, we are watching Beer Bad. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> And also, um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, Angel. I could have sworn I looked it up. I'll figure it out. I, I do like this running gag of we have no idea what the Angel episodes I are don't. called. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't like this unpreparedness, though. Every week I tell myself, I was really good about putting it in my notes for a while. And then, like, because I just knew them so well in Buffy, I think I stopped kind of being on top of it. And now yeah. I'm realizing, like, hey, you know what I don't know is the run of Angel very well. Um, okay. Well, while I look into that, do you want to tell me what you're, what you're excited about this week other than Buffy and Angel? Um, I don't have anything. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, the next episode of Angel is called Room with a View, and it's got a weird spelling, but it's oh. uh, about Cordelia's haunted apartment. So I think oh. I like that episode. Yeah. This is where we meet Dennis. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, I have a thing that I'm excited about. Um, I finally got to see the new Guillermo del Toro movie, The Shape of Water. Oh. And I really, really loved it. I saw it yesterday and it was everything I wanted it to be. (laughs) Um, I feel like I like it's definitely something that is not for everyone. And I think like if you like Guillermo del Toro, then you'll probably like it. If you don't like him, then you might not. And I also think that like 
It was one of the times that I've sat down in a movie and from the beginning been it was so clear to me that like, oh, I know exactly what this movie is and they made this movie just for me. <laughs> like it's a horror like vintage romance about a monster. Like it just had so many things. That was a very bad job of describing it. It's like a fairy tale monster love story that is an homage to old films. And like it was super cool. And it was very beautifully told and the actors were fantastic. And they're I'm if I, I I feel like right now I'm like still in a little honeymoon period where it's like I actually don't want to think about anything bad about it because I just enjoyed it so much. So I'm going to just live on this little cloud for a little bit longer before <laughs> I like try and read more about it or think about it harder. Um, not that I haven't thought about it, but um, yeah, he was very. I just really, really liked it. But it is literally a love story about a woman and a fish man. So, like, if that doesn't interest you, then you're not going to like it because that's what it is. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, he just has this really, you know, it was like, I forget how some of my favorite directors, I think what I enjoy about the way they make films is that they're, like, really aware that they're making a film and are really aware of the, like, strengths and weaknesses of it and, like, use it to great effect. I hate... I, I. like watching it, I was just like, Oh my God, like why do I even watch other movies sometimes? Because like every scene transition in this movie was like tied together. So like the, one of the opening scenes, the main character is this woman named Eliza and she like is tap dancing down the hallway. And as it transitions into the next scene, like that sound is echoed in another like action that somebody else is doing. Like it, it pans down to like a movie marquee board and these guys are clicking new letters into it. And like the clicking sounds, like line up together. But like the whole movie was like that where it's like, Oh, every time they move to a new scene, you don't even, even if you weren't paying attention, like they would just flow together really naturally. And I just like really appreciated that among many other things, including the beautiful love story about this fish man. But, um, but yeah, the soundtrack was like over the top, but beautiful. And I just really liked it. And I cried a lot at the end. Cause I cried every movie and also just all the time. <laughs> I don't remember what I was watching yesterday, but I caught myself crying and I was like, what is, what is wrong with you? Why? Exactly. There's nothing about this that you were watching that should make you yeah. cry. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie was super quiet at the end too, though. So it was like, this is the second time this happened to me with Coco too. Although I think Coco was a little louder at the end. So it like, wasn't so bad, but like, I really had to like not sob. Like I have to hold in all my sounds until like the movie plays another loud sound so I can like let out my breath. Ugh, it was pathetic. But again, it was very fun. I wonder well, if I, I should see it again. I know you were talking about going to see it and that you were excited. So I'm happy that it wasn't a disappointment. It wasn't. And there were definitely moments early on. Like, I really liked the opening sequence. And that was the part where I was like, oh, this is a fairy tale. And it's a love story about a woman who's going to fall in love with a fish. And I was like, I'm all here for that. There were some other things. It, there, uh, otherwise, it, it did take me a minute to kind of get into it. And there were some st- moments where I was like, oh, maybe I'm not really going to have liked this. But there were like the climax of it was just like really satisfying. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you could hit some emotional beats. I think he just won the Golden Globe for the directing of that. I didn't watch it at all. I haven't read any of the recaps. Um, Amy Sherman Palladino finally got some recognition, which oh, that's what both you were talking made about. me excited and also p- 
pissed me off a little bit because Mm -hmm. all it did was validate for me that if prestige TV networks had been a thing when Gilmore Girls was on the air, like Mm -hmm. other than like HBO, like if Gilmore Girls had been a show that began and ended on Netflix or Amazon, it would have gotten, at least from the Golden Globes, like way more recognition than it did for being on the CW or the WB. I mean, that's true for Buffy, too. Yeah, and absolutely. a bunch of shows. Yeah. I got really irritated when that happened. Like, I mean, I was happy for the actress and for, um, so she, mm-hmm. she won for the, the role and then um, the Paladinos won for best show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really exciting. But I was also just like, I, I was happy for a second and then I just got really mad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's why I don't watch award shows anymore, though, because yeah. it's, even with all the like. The, your favorites are getting more acknowledged these days. Like it's still so frustrating the sorts of things that are valued versus the sort of things that aren't. And like I find more often than not, I'm on the in not in agreement with what's being awarded. So I'm just like, well, I could watch this and be mad about it the whole time, or I could just tune it well, out. <laughs> I mean, nothing. It, it really is just like I mean, and I usually don't even really watch award shows anymore. I was just kind of curious to watch mm-hmm. last night out of like, you know, there's a there was sort of a bigger background story happening and I was curious to see how it played out. But like, I also, you know, watching it was reminded why I just don't care anymore because I was just like, to me, there is no earthly explanation for why Will and Grace is nominated for anything. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a rehash of a, of a show that's already gone away and come back. And by the way, it's not very good. Like, mm. You know, I watched a couple episodes of the reboot, and I was like, why did we do this? I thought you were enjoying it. I was, and then I was like, whatever, like, little momentary high came out of that, I was like, Mm. then I was like, oh, but if you're going to just do this, then, like, I didn't sign up to, like, rewatch garbage, you know? Yeah. So. (sighs) It was a a short honeymoon phase. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just rewatching Parks and Rec again, even though I literally finished it, like, a month ago. It's bad. Yeah, I just restarted it too. Something, somebody had it on in the background and then I just started watching it again. I was like, I literally just finished this. I have to switch to something else soon. Ugh. Um, but not Will and Grace, probably. Mm-mm, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so let's see. This week, I guess, uh, Team Giles with his chainsaw. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Team Giles with the chainsaw. <laughs> that, that sounds pretty good. That's a good note to end on. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I will talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right, bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.